It's a live breakfast with Asha and JD on the first day of Ramadan this year. And today we have with us senior journalist and producer of Awani Tonight, Hafiz Marzuki. Ramadan bazaars have been allowed to proceed in Perak, but not in Kelantan. The latest decision is due to a drastic increase of COVID-19 cases in the state. Now, with the COVID numbers still not under control, in your opinion, should Ramadan bazaars continue operating at all? All right, that's a very tough question, Asha. But I'll give my opinion of it. Actually, when, when I first heard that Ramadan bazaars back is kind of a mixed feeling right especially mm. like today's the first day of ramadan we always look forward and and it's not just for muslims right even those who are not celebrating ramadan also yeah uh, join in the festivities Correct, of yeah. the ramadan bazaar so actually for a lot of these ramadan bazaar operators it's like once in a year sale for them to make as much income as possible and i remembered uh, over the years when i've covered operators in ramadan bazaar there are some who actually specifically a block a month out of their schedule to actually take part in this Ramadan mm. Bazaar because the income could stretch to six months, seven months. Mm. So in economy tense, it has a lot of stake. And, Livelihood, uh, basically. Yes. Last year, Ramadan Bazaar got cancelled because of COVID. And this year, it seems we're supposed to know how to operate with SOPs. Of course, on one hand, yes, it's good for Ramadan Bazaar to be back. But of course, that, that worry at the back of my mind, and I'm sure a lot of people share this worry as well, is that how will this translate to an increase in COVID cases? if there are any. So I think what's important here is actually, I would say, enforcement of the SOPs at this Ramadan mm-hmm. Bazaar because yeah. we can't afford... I mean, in, in states like Kelantan, yes, I understand if it's too much, we may have to cancel it. But for other states, the green states, the, the yellow states, we can do it with proper SOPs. So in my opinion, uh, you have you have to see, right? It's, a, it's an equilibrium and it's a balancing act. You just have to see uh, when you can do it and when you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I hope that they come up with their own system of delivery uh, delivery, so that they would be able to operate even under uh, pandemic circumstances. Yeah, because I know for a fact that at some point we're going to get a Roti John cluster or a Popia Rasasa cluster because everybody's <laughs> going to be crowded around yeah. that stall, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yep. So, Pasar Malam and Pasar Tanis were allowed to operate early on with strict SOPs. Mm. What would be the economic implications if all states were barred from having a Ramadan bazaar? It's a sad thing to, to talk about it, right? So, I'm sure uh, a lot of people, when, when the senior minister uh, for security cluster actually announced that, okay, we may allow uh, Ramadan bazaar to open, I'm sure most of them are looking forward to it. Uh, they are already prepping, uh, so it will be a, a big setback, and especially for those. I mean, we mean we want to move the economy, right? Balancing lives versus livelihoods. I can't give the number in terms of how much it will impact, but I'm sure it's going to disappoint a lot of these operators more than those who are actually going to this Ramadan bazaar. So I think even next year, there's no guarantee that we can yeah. actually have Ramadan bazaars operating, right? Uh, so I think it's about time that we find that balance, and and we should start uh, this year so that in the coming years is going to get better in Utah. President of the Malaysian Employers Federation, Dato Dr. Syed Hussein Syed Husman said that companies should give time off to their employees to get the COVID-19 jobs but added that it should be up to the employer whether or not to grant paid leave to their workers to get vaccinated. Now how, how likely would paid leave encourage a higher rate of people signing up for vaccinations? I thought this was a dark question actually. There's no such thing as employers should be given a choice whether to allow their workers a paid leave mm. to 
get vaccinated yeah. I think I mean you should at least give a paid time off you know because it probably takes like 3-4 hours give them a half day but this is a very important exercise it's not you doing your own personal errand mm. uh, it is important for every company to realize this actually that that you have to give uh, your employees uh, enough leeway for them to get vaccinated basically you can't give any reason for them not to take the vaccines I, I understand where the the president of MEF is coming from but as far as uh, common sense I think you should be giving your employees paid time off paid leave so that they could get their vaccination and I think that we should not compromise on on this because it's a citizen's responsibility to actually do this right but I don't know about a half day one no, because we have heard some people uh, different people getting different side effects or some some feeling a bit queasy after that and everything mm. right so it might be a full day right yeah of course there's also this uh there are talks about the booster shot the second shot mm. the second mm. dose actually gives off a, a more i would say a potent reaction you'll yeah. get more headaches and stuff but i think we we need this what's a few days compared to running your operations smoothly right in the right. wrong in the long run yeah. you should safely, we, yeah. yeah we should we should sacrifice at least a bit mm. for for this i mean we've already gone through a year of economic nightmare already what's a few more days right exactly. yes exactly exactly so being a nation with a fluctuating number of new cases herd immunity is malaysia's only hope of fighting this pandemic how can we as a nation achieve this Well, there's a very tough question. I mean, that's the dream, right? That's the target uh, to get herd immunity. And and I've also seen that the ongoing registration for the vaccination is slower than expected, which may create a problem, I would say, in the coming months. Right now, it's not a problem because the, in terms of demand and supply, uh, you're basically getting almost similar uh, numbers. But there's going to be a time where if the demand does not pick up, the supply is going to be overflowing. And we all know that vaccinations do not have a long shelf life. Uh, but of course, I can only say as, as a citizen, right? This is more of a hope thing. Uh, but what the government can do is actually find other ways to actually speed up the vaccination process. Be it door-to-door, you know, a mass booth registration place, uh, something that, that could just bypass the current speed. And phase two is just going to start. And in terms of the number of uh, percentage, I believe is more than 30% out of the 9 million people identified within this phase. So this is important. We, we need to wrap up the registration process so that more people will get vaccinated which in turn means herd immunity will be achieved a lot faster. Direct distribution of goods or food to homeless people by non-governmental organisations or individuals is no longer allowed during Ramadan around Kuala Lumpur effective immediately. Now, DBKL specified that the step was taken to prevent waste and pollution as well as to curb the spread of COVID-19. Uh, why was such a drastic step taken by the City Council? It's a preemptive measure by them. But of course, if we were to see the whole statement made by uh, DBKL, they've offered other places, transit centres where the NGOs could deliver food, which is, if I'm not mistaken, is in Jalan Pahang and Medan Tonku. There's also a community centre, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, Chowkit. Uh, that's also a place as well. But I think uh, the problem or rather the, the challenge with this announcement is I'm not sure the homeless people are actually aware of this announcement and maybe some of them kind of hope that the NGO 
NGOs will still because NGOs who deliver food to the homeless uh, does it on a regular basis, right? There is exactly a, regular a, spaces and correct. spots where yeah, they yeah. just yeah. turn up. I doubt there's a WhatsApp group and and they tell, oh, we're going to give food here today and tomorrow and stuff. And usually it's all based on routine and repetition right. and tradition, you know, to a certain extent. So I think uh, that's going to be the challenge to handle uh, this year. Uh, what I believe the DPKL uh, can do better is probably uh, inform and 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 have more of these community centers spread out around KL, these, these temporary centers, because you don't want to have a, a cluster of homeless people, right? So you spread them out even more. The problem here is actually homeless people needing food. And, and that's what the NGO uh, are aiming to solve. So what you can do, I guess, as local government is to, to provide alternatives. And, and this is the key component uh, when dealing with this kind of uh, challenge. And it's, in this case, it's the pandemic. Well, I was going to say also that, you know, if they're homeless and they are in need of food help, that, you know, odds are them uh, having the standard of hygiene that would be, you know, anti-COVID or even a mask is negligible, right? Or non-existent. And so whether or not they meet up in their established old places or in a new place, what difference is it really going to make? Exactly. It's a societal problem. Uh, I'm not saying that the homeless people should have uh, better uh, food food management or food waste management uh, compared to the rest of us. But I think it is important that as a local government, you do all your policies and all your decisions, directions must be inclusive. You have to understand the problem and do what you can to solve it. China slapped a record US $2.75 billion fine on Alibaba Group Holding Limited on Saturday after an anti-monopoly probe found the e-commerce giant had abused its dominant market position for several years. When a global superpower decides to take a stand against monopolies, it, you know, it does shock the whole region. How can we use this example in our own backyard? Yeah, I mean, uh, reading the news, actually, I was actually uh, surprised myself. China and Alibaba is uh, it's kind of... It's kind of China. <laughs> yeah, it's about China, Alibaba, yeah. Alibaba is from China. Yeah. Uh, I think what can we learn is that it shows how important it is to prevent monopolies from taking shape, right? In any country, be it matter how big, whether you're a global superpower or you're a country of like 32 million a population like us in Malaysia. In Malaysia, right now, we have already have a Competition Act 2010. Uh, we have MyCC, the Malaysia Competition Commission, who looks at these things. In fact, if you actually remember it, last year, they've actually posed a fine for the major e-hailing services because of, if I'm not mistaken, the merger. So they are monitoring this already. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not the foremost expert on, on anti-competition, but I think we can see a monopoly when we look at it, right? Mm. It's, it's as clear as day. Yes. Uh, so, it, monopolies are important to be taken out or, or not allowed in any country because it just allows the company or the, or the party to actually uh, dictate everything. So basically, if I'm the only one uh, selling masks to everyone, instead of selling it at one ringgit, I can sell it at five ringgit, ten ringgit. Mm. I basically control the price. So that is important. Uh, we cannot allow this kind of behavior uh, to persist in this country. Yeah, because I think most people, the general public, don't understand. So what's the big deal? Monopoly, monopoly, but it, it affects us, the consumers, that's, right? Exactly. That's, that's clear. Like I mean, uh, you, ha- you have to have options right because when you have options companies will compete for your services so uh, prices will be kept uh, competitive uh, we understand inflation etc etc but at least it will be kept competitive if you have uh, competition otherwise it's just you you and you and you will dictate everything for the services uh, how much the services will cost uh, so it's a tough thing to actually decide when is it a monopoly and when is it uh, not a monopoly and how much does it hurt uh, the economy because it's not their fault the other companies can't compete with them right exactly exactly 
Javis, the Congress of Unions of Employees in the Public and Civil Services has called on the government to review the Malaysian remuneration system used by the civil service to meet the current economic needs and cost of living, which had not been reviewed or improved since its implementation in November 2002. So why is it important for the current administration to review the SSM for those in the public sector? The last time it was actually reviewed was in 2002. 2002, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That in itself, uh, 19 years uh, long wait. And I, I couldn't imagine if you, you've heard such a thing in the private sector, right? We wouldn't have to wait for 19 years uh, for salaries to be reviewed. I know. So I think that in itself, it, it shows the timeliness of that to take place. Because as you know, the civil service pay scale uh, works differently, right? Yeah. Uh, from what we in the private sector are accustomed to. It's always uh, time-based. It's very incremental, very seldom that you can get a double or triple jump. It's mechanical in a way. It's, it's not really tight performance-wise. It's more of a, of a time-based. So I think uh, it's about time to actually look into it and see how we can make it more competitive for the uh, civil service. Yeah, I mean, that's why there's been a talent drain for so many years as well, right? And it's been talked about for so many years yeah, as yeah. well. It's strange that it hasn't sort of been even halfway Since remedied yet. 2002, for crying out loud. You yeah. Know, yeah. So in your opinion, with so many affected by the pandemic, is it the right time to be discussing a pay scale review? And if so, why? Oh, yes. I mean, tying it up the pandemic, that makes it a lot worse, right? But we have to be fair to everyone involved here. I'm meaning here the civil service, the civil servants, government. Of course, the review, you cannot expect an exorbitant amount in terms of, if you compare, it's 19 years, right, since the last review. So usually you would expect a significant bump. But I think what's important here is to keep the pay scale dynamic. You need to have a more a robust system within the civil service. In terms of amount, uh, yeah, I mean, pandemic or no pandemic, I personally feel that it is time to look at this. And I believe the government would know to streamline it so that it's something they can afford under current circumstances.